Hey, this is John Bohr at Winsome Games, and you're about to hear another episode from Heavy Cardboard. Heavy Cardboard, Episode 63, High Treason. Coming to you from the courthouse in Regina, Saskatchewan, welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts, I'm Edward. And I'm Amanda. So the basement is finished. Yes. Well, okay, construction on the basement is finished. <laughs> yes. It actually gets finished decorating, I say finished in quotes, but this weekend. So yes. I'm really looking forward to that. Me too. I'm in love. I don't want to not be down there. If you guys have been on social media, you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once we actually get it finished being decorated and everything, we'll actually post pictures on BGG and everything like that. But yeah, so we just got back from the Arizona Game Fair this weekend, which I would have to say for a first year con, I don't know that it could have gone better, Me honestly. Either. No, it seemed to be, Andrew did a very good job. Yeah, he did. Uh, it was mostly open gaming with uh, a separate role-playing game room, but mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I never even went in there. Nope. It, it was just the... Uh, the open gaming, some schedule via BGG Geek List, and they had a couple of vendors, a couple of local game stores. Eagle Griffin had a little thing because that's their headquarters as well. Had the meetup on Friday night, which a bunch of people showed up yeah. and talking shop with some fellow podcasters and just meeting a lot of listeners. It was really, really good yeah, time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and um, big thanks to Andrew for having us out. And yes, very much so. Big thanks to um, basically who was our friend and chauffeur, Brian, who um, we went around with, and he, he took very good care of us. We, I felt very taken care of the whole weekend. It was, it was nice. We didn't have to worry about where we were going to go get food or how we were going to get places. We had, we had people that were going to take us places. Yeah, that, that was that was nice. And the food was amazing, so yes. that was cool. Uh, definitely big fan. Already looking forward to next year so we can go back to the blue Adobe Grill. Yeah, sure. <laughs> definitely. And we got some good games in while we were there. Yeah. Uh, started out on Friday night playing with David Short, designer of Ground Floor. Mm-hmm. And a few other folks, Mask of Anubis, which is a Japanese-only cool implementation of almost like VR uh, team-building exercise to where one person's descri- uh, describing the the maze that they see. They see one, por- one portion of it, and then the other people are frantically trying to piece together, you know, like 2D plane pieces, uh, like a dungeon crawl type mm-hmm. map. And it was... It really was cool. I, I'm sure somebody's going to pick it up because there's there's applications outside of the board gaming hobby that I could see like companies using oh, this yeah. as team building type stuff. But I'll be honest, it was a lot of fun. It was it was perfect for like a meetup type environment, right. I think, as opposed to there were also some really big games being played. I saw Panamax, mm-hmm. First Class, mm-hmm. uh, we taught Arboretum. They played Trajan. So yeah. Pretty cool. And then we played Colonist a couple times. I taught three games of it. We actually played Colonist twice in one day. (laughs) Right. Dominant Species. We played Tramways. 
the climbers. I think that's I think it. That's it. Yeah, we, it just was a very good gaming weekend all the way around. Yeah, it would have been good if we had been at home, yeah. and much less at a con. So yeah, it was it was great time. And if you're in the Phoenix area next January, I I would wholeheartedly recommend mm-hmm. going checking it out. And I know Phoenix is a big city, as far as like physically big. Right. But I heard that some people, uh, it was too far of a drive and they lived on the other side of Phoenix. I'm like, come on, man. Support your local con. Yeah. I mean, it. yeah, it was a good time. Yes, it Definitely was. recommended and uh, looking forward to next year. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by BoardGameTables.com. If you're in the market for a beautiful, hand-built, custom board game table that is sure to become the centerpiece of your game room, go check them out over at BoardGameTables.com and mention Heavy Cardboard when you do. So a couple congrats to a few of our friends this week. Brandon over at Brawling Brothers for being Geek of the Week on BGG. Way to go, Brandon. Very cool. And also, our good buddy Jason Dinger for getting himself and his game, Captains of the Gulf, featured on a number of newspapers, radio station, and on the local news. I thought it was great, too, that he he and his wife Donna were, you know, sporting our shirt and that of low player count for the TV interview. Yes. And I guess having... Punching cardboard shirt on and two different newspaper articles. I guess that was fine, but you know, I'll take I'll take TV. I'm cool with that. <laughs> Ain't that right, Jim? So thanks, dingers. Yeah, seriously, thanks a lot for doing that. That was cool, and seriously, that was really awesome to yeah, see it was. that uh, not just his game, but just the hobby in general is getting that kind of publicity. But I'm I'm genuinely excited mm-hmm. to check it out. We we have one of the copies of the prototype, so something that we're hoping to get uh, to the table in the next couple of weeks. So yeah. very cool, Jason. Congrats. Keeping on with our endless game days, I have already, much to my chagrin, already welched on my commitment that I made last time. I wouldn't say welch, just had life get in the way. Yeah, How's that? Yeah, life get in the way. But um back on the wagon. Yeah. I have been, so yeah, come on, <laughs> join a board. The water, is the water good and warm? Yeah, it, it happens. I mean, it's not, it, it, the whole purpose of this isn't necessarily to make sure that we're playing a game every single day. Well, yes, in theory, but it's more or less just get away from the TV. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's done its job. I feel like we are very much playing a lot more games and it's affording us the luxury of being able to get known good games back to the table Mm -hmm. i mean obviously especially going through all the s and games and everything as we are i mean it's it's a new game or two new games every week yeah but on top of that it allows us to bring games like the gallerist venos uh castles of burgundy bora bora stuff like that to the table that otherwise we'd just be like yeah we own it that's cool but we just don't have time to play it because of the demands of the show right so in the end i feel like it's doing its job. So no big deal. Just get back on the wagon. Yeah, it, I, I definitely feel it's doing its job because we haven't had a DVR upstairs in about two or three weeks. So that Ever the, since the basement's yeah, been finished. Yeah, the TV hasn't been on. Yeah, and the only time it's on downstairs is either for playoff football mm-hmm. or background music. Yeah. That's it. I think that's great. I think that's cool. Yeah. So Edward, why don't you tell everybody how to contact us? All right, our website, heavycardboard.com. Email, contact at heavycardboard.com. We love hearing from y'all. We love getting emails, and we try to answer all of them. Twitter, at heavycardboard. Facebook, heavycardboard. YouTube, heavycardboard vids. 
Instagram's heavy cardboard, our Patreon. Please support us. Patreon.com forward slash heavy cardboard. BGG Guild number 2044. And we also have a phone number for you all to call and leave us voicemails. The phone number is 720-675-8975 is the number. So call us, leave your thoughts or questions, and we might mention it on the show. Before we get into our review of High Treason, the trial Louis Rial, Alex Berry was kind enough to join us for a game night. He happened to, he's a defense lawyer, actually had a trial up here in Adams County, mm-hmm. which is where we live. And so he's like, hey, you mind if I come over for a game night? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. Hey, while you're here, why don't we sit for an interview? Mm-hmm. So he was kind enough to do that. So without further ado, this is me interviewing the designer, Alex Berry. Hey y'all, it's Edward and Heavy Cardboard. I'm happy to have Alex Berry, designer of High Treason, the uh, the trial of Louis Rial with me. He actually came over for a game night one night here and thought, hey, let's sit down and and talk shop a little bit. So thanks for coming. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Edward. So first off, what got you into the hobby? Um, you know, I, I was always kind of liked games as, you know, as a kid, um, the game that really got me in was, uh, we, the people, I remember like 10 years old, spending my like Christmas money going down to the games, people in Vancouver, uh, Canada and buying we, the people and just playing that to death that like the board would break and stuff. Played it so much that really, wow. Okay. And so that, I mean, that got me into board gaming and I guess, because my first love was really like card driven games, that's what, you know, is what I, I still like. You know, I like card driven games and I thought, hey, I want to design a card driven game here, but bring it into a different system, bring it outside of just war games. Okay. What got you into designing games? The reason I ask that is yeah. there's the running joke that everybody who's in this hobby that plays games loves designing games. Or, or at least aspires to design games. I have zero interest ever in designing a game. I'm no. one of the weird ones. So why did you start designing games? What what lit that fire? I mean, I, I don't know if anything specific did. You know, I've just I've been in in the hobby for a while. You know, I'm sure people know me as you know the board game blogger. I've done a lot of video reviews, and I just was like. Okay, I'm kind of tired of, of doing that. I want to kind of do something else. And I just had this idea that I thought this would be something to do. You know, there's no trial games out there, really. None, None that I know of other than the one that you made. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only one I can think of. And, uh, you know, Klaswitz says that uh, war is a continuation of politics. And really, a trial is really a continuation of war. You know, when you, when you think about it and the famous, uh, you know, treason trials afterwards or whatnot. So I just thought that would be a neat aspect. Uh, and plus, you know, I, I'm a, an attorney. So that kind so of... you come about it honestly in yeah. that respect. So your first design is High Treason, the trial of Louis Rial. Yeah. Uh, published by Victory Point Games. So what about the subject matter made you want to design a game about it? Well, part of it was it's the only capital case in history, really, that just had six jurors. And uh, if you know much about the game, it's mostly about manipulating the jury and trying to convince the jury. And I thought a 12-person jury would be a little too unwieldy, at least for, like, if you're not familiar with the system. So I think to get into the system, have a really interesting case, a capital case, a treason case, 
but just have those six jurors so it's not too much for the players to really get overwhelmed by. Okay. So the the history of Louis Riel is is taught in Canadian schools. Now, believe it or not, we do have some listeners that are not Canadian. Uh, so so give a little background on that. Like, wh- why is this a big deal? Why does this matter to Canadians? Sure. Well, it, it doesn't matter just to Canadians. I mean, he was also, I mean, he was a U.S. citizen. He After his first rebellion, he came down to America. He joined the Republican Party. Uh, it was very, you know, involved in American politics, became a U.S. citizen, that type of thing. And so it's not just Canadian history. It's really kind of U.S. Canadian history, I think. All right. So, But what is it about that, though, that really... I don't know. Why does it matter, I guess? I mean, why does that matter... You know, more so to you, say, than like a Benedict Arnold or other treason cases in general. Why that? Well, what's interesting, at least from the legal perspective, is it's really the only treason trial in history where the defense was insanity. Because normally you don't want to argue insanity in a treason trial because then you're undermining your political philosophy. Um, and I mean, ultimately, that's not how Louis himself argued, and he disregarded his lawyer's advice. But that's how his legal team was trying to to handle it. You know, whereas Benedict Arnold, he's just saying, "I'm not guilty of this treason." You know, but and so it's not as interesting, really. Okay, all right, because, because you're throwing in this insanity to defense as well, kind of a little more salacious. That makes sense because the game. There, I mean, there's a couple different ways to win the game, one of which, if the prosecution doesn't hit at least some sort of burden of proof, you have to get that track up to a certain level. And then you there's the insanity track as well, which helps amplify the number of or the, the score of the yeah. jurors that you're going to get, which I it's fascinating to me that how did you go about this as far as theme Mechanics, which came first? Well, I, I mean, I mean, the, me- the mechanics kind of came first. On, I wanted to have this jury trial. I wanted to have the jury selection. I wanted to have, you know, the case in chief, the uh, the summation. And okay, then- so on that note, though. Yeah. You had a okay. I'm going to make a trial game. Yes, that first and foremost, right. and then then the th- mechanics fit it. And then, what trial do I want to pick to to you know have it those mechanics. Work in into. it. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then how did, how did that process come about? Like what all went into uh, it? I mean, I mean, I just researched a bunch of trials and then I decided, okay, let's let's do Louis Riel because of just that six jurors. And okay. I, and, I, and I think there's that appeal, on a, you know, I think not just to Canadians, but to everyone really because there's just unique factors in this trial. Um, so I, I basically I got the entire trial transcripts and just read through the entire trial transcripts to come up with the cards, that type of thing. That's fascinating. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be honest, before hearing about the game, because mm-hmm. when I first heard about the game, I was like, really? A trial game? That, there's nothing like that. I've never heard of that. So I was I was fascinated at the idea of the game first. But then once I read up about the, the game itself, just like a good war game it gets me interested in learning about the history because i'm a dumb american in this respect that 
I had no idea who this guy was. I'd never heard of him before. And I was really fascinated in the history of this and how how it came to be and who he was and why he matters and all of that. So I, I think you did a, an awesome job of tying the theme into the game and it feeling like a legitimate trial as much as a game can. Yeah. You're Canadian. You're, you're originally Canadian, yes. right? Yeah. Just like Louis Real, I, I came down to right. the United States. Right, and now you're a U.S. citizen. So do you think you'll ever be pardoned or exonerated by the Canadian government? Um, you know, it probably has already happened. He's probably already been pardoned, and I'm just not aware of that. Uh, or, I don't think he has. No, okay. I don't think he has, because okay. actually, I asked, uh, I asked a couple of folks, hey, do you have any questions? Because they yeah. knew I was going to interview you, and... Fellow Canadian, or yeah. I, I say fellow, you're an American now, but you yeah. get the idea. Uh, and he he asked this question, do you think he, he'll ever be pardoned or yeah. exonerated? And so I was like, I figure, you know the history yeah. much better than I do. So what do you think, though? Yeah. You know, under the understanding that he hasn't been up to this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it'll happen. I mean, uh, the prime minister's recently made apologies for, you know, the Kamigata Maru incident uh, where basically... Whole bunch of Sikhs came to Canada, you know, wanted a new life, and we just said, "Hey, we're not going to let you settle." And so, I think we're coming to grips with kind of our discriminatory past, and so I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't already been pardoned already. Um, but I, I imagine that would come. I mean, just as we see how the government kind of mistreated the Métis people, so that, yeah, it's it, got to come. It, it definitely seems like. The dude got railroaded. Yeah. He really, really did. And in my experience, only a few plays of the game so far. But in my experience, the opposite happens in this game. The uh, When you're new to the game, it seems that the defense has... It's tougher as the prosecution. Yeah. It's it's tougher to to prosecute uh, successfully. And I'm apparently a terrible prosecuting attorney. Well, the, I mean, the burden of proof, like in any trial, it's on the prosecution. And so that's kind of in the game. So if the defense player doesn't really know what they're doing and they're just, they don't have a deliberate strategy and they're just like, oh, this card seems good at this point and this card seems good here. And you're not focusing on a deliberate strategy, the defense player is going to win. But uh, a knowledgeable prosecution player uh, has, a, you know, I think a slight advantage type of thing. It, it's like in maybe, say, Twilight Struggle, where uh, the Soviet player uh, probably has about a 40, a 54, 55% chance of winning right. if they know what they're doing. Um, so about the similar yeah. in this respect, even though you're a defense attorney, you yeah. didn't give some sort of little scapegoat, little trap door for the defense, huh? No, no, no. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so moving on to why, why did you choose Victory Point Games? Well, uh, Victory Point Games, I think, is, is willing to take the risk of publishing kind of unique uh, titles and ones that kind of incorporate history. You know, when, when I first met the publisher, uh, Alan Emmerich, his vision of how the game would be was was very similar to mine. You know, he wanted the flavor text in there, the historical text, so people are, are learning about it. And I, I showed it to some other publishers, and they wanted to kind of almost Eurofy it and be like, oh, well, we'll have, you know, symbols here for everything, and, you know, uh, it's going to take up too much on the card if you put on the historical text. And I think the history is just so important of this, and that's that's you're getting the flavor, you're getting the narrative. And so just Alan's vision was kind of similar to my vision. And I'll be honest, normally flavor text, eh, whatever. I, I, I normally don't care about it in a game. 
I hadn't read it all before going into my first game. I was actually interested because you do a good job of explaining, oh, this is the chief, uh, the, the head of the prosecuting team and everything else. And it was just, it really helped teach you the history of the game or the history of what actually transpired. And I like the fact that you threw in a couple of uh, alt history cards to throw in the whole what if. What was the inspiration behind those? Um, I mean, these were key players in his rebellion um, that, you know, could have testified or not testified. So, I mean, Gabriel Dumont, he really, a lot of the witnesses basically seemed to say he was the one in control. And so he didn't actually surrender to the Canadian authorities. He fled to the United States. Right. And, you know... Had he testified at the trial, it could have been just drastically different. And so I wanted to kind of put those in place. Or, you know, Chief Poundmaker, who didn't testify but was charged ultimately in his own separate trial. You know, these are important people who really could have been in the trial. And so when you're playing these, these kind of historical games, it's already kind of an alternate history. It's events maybe happened or they didn't have as big of an impact. And so, well, hypothetically, a couple other... Witnesses could have testified at this trial. And I mean, it's, it's clearly designated that these are the what if cards. So if you don't want to play that way, you don't have to. Right. And we, we took them out for our first few plays because we want to kind of keep it historical in that respect. And even though, like I said, I'm a terrible prosecutor and I can't seem to get him. Uh, yeah, we're really enjoying the game. So let me ask you, what's next? I mean, you're a designer now, so there's yeah. got to be something next, right? Uh, well, I'm working on two separate trial games, uh, one on the Nuremberg trials awesome. and uh, one on the, uh, the basically the impeachment of Andrew Johnson in the Senate. Um, and then I'm also working on a non-trial game, the uh, election of 1824. So you said non-trial game are uh, similar in a sense that CDG type thing, or uh, I mean, it's not quite a CDG, so it's more kind of an action selection game, so you know, just a little bit different twist. Kind of, a, it's probably a little, it's an area control game. Okay, at its heart. All right, um, same size of game as far as the scope, as far as I mean. Uh, uh, high Treason plays in, you know, about an hour, give or take yeah. a little bit. Um, so uh, Yeah, yeah. So this uh, 1824 election game, that's probably the next one that I'm closest to finalizing. It's, it's going to be about an hour. But, it you know, it'll be, you know, up to four players type of thing, just like history with the actual election. So, but also scale it. So if you want to play with less, you can cool. do that. All right. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk about uh, High Treason as well as uh, what all went into the background on it. And uh, thanks for making the game because I, I agree with what you said about Victory Point Games that they're, they're publishing just off-the-wall stuff that is totally non-traditional theme, mm -hmm. non-traditional mechanics, stuff like that. And I appreciate what they're putting out. So thanks a lot for uh, taking the time to come on. And... Uh, Let's go play some games. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, Alex, for sitting with me to talk a little bit about both High Treason, but also design ideas in general. And I got to say, it's exciting, you know, that another up-and-coming designer is here in the greater Denver mm -hmm. area. Always cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm, I'm excited to, about the his games that he has in work right now. They seem really cool. I'm yeah. looking forward to them. I'm looking forward to it. So thanks, Alex. All right, guys, let's get into High Treason, The Trial of Louis Rial. Edward? Published in 2016, designed by the aforementioned Alex Berry. 
The artist is Tim Allen, published by Victory Point Games. It's a two-player only game, plays in 30 to 45 minutes or so, and believe it or not, it's actually well available direct from victory point gains about 25 26 bucks or so all right let's tell everybody what's going on in the game visionary patriot rebel revolutionary traitor 130 years later you'll hear all these terms used to describe the leader of the metis people in 1885 louis Riel helped lead along with gabriel dumont the northwest rebellion against the canadian government it was short-lived, however, as within two months, thanks to the advent of the Canadian Pacific Railway, Riel turned himself into the Canadian forces. Two months later, he stood on trial for the charge of treason. And this is where the game of High Treason begins. High Treason is the two-player-only game where the players represent the prosecution and defense of Louis Riel, respectively. It's a card-driven game akin to other games such as Twilight Struggle or 13 Days. Similar to those games, players are playing cards to play influence, but instead of countries and such, here, players are attempting to influence the six seated jurors as well as to affect the different aspect tracks to score above or below 100 points at the end of the trial. Whether Louis Riel meets his fate at the bottom of the gallows rope or is acquitted is all in your hands. Good luck and Godspeed. Let's talk about the cardboard. Starting with the components, it's a typical Victory Point Games production. It has laser cut chits, which I'll be honest, are really thick and real nice in that respect. Yeah. But they're a serious pain in the ass to punch out of the sprues. Definitely recommend using a uh, X-Acto blade or some sort of razor blade to cut them out for where they're attached to the sprues. Mm -hmm. It's not an easy punch game for sure. Oh, okay. And I also noticed that Victory Point includes a little napkin for you to wipe off the edges with. Yeah, wipe off the soot because yeah. it's it's laser uh, laser cut. And so, yeah, that's kind nice of their touch. thing. Yeah, I appreciate that. The cards are solid quality. They're non-linen, but that's neither here nor there. They're decent core. The main board is just cardstock, much like many war games, which is why we keep a, a piece of plexiglass mm -hmm. just for this reason. For those curious, uh, ideal size for something like this, 24 inches by 18 inches, pretty much a perfect fit mm -hmm. for this, winsome games, and a lot of war games. So definitely, if you don't have that in your board game collection, accessories or whatever, highly recommended. Yeah, and you can get that at like Home Depot or whatever and they'll cut it to size, right? Right. Yeah. Now, I mean, you don't need it to play it. You can keep it. It's just, it, it kind of, you know, it's bends. It's more convenient. Yeah, and it just keeps everything flat and makes it a lot easier to move the chits around and not have to worry about all that. Yeah. The board, you know, like you were saying, is just a little folded up piece of paper. And, well, cardstock. Yeah. But and the rule book is actually like that as well. It's just it's just paper that has been folded in half and stapled, which you know I assume that that attributes to how cheap the game is to purchase. As far as low cost, right? You mean? Right. Yeah. 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 I know that Victory Point Games is doing away with their in-house publishing and they're going to actually outsource it. So I assume that means the the quality of the components is going to go up. Mm. In, uh, I believe it shuts down later on this summer, so just an FYI. Oh, okay. But I'll be honest, the game costs 25 bucks. Yeah, I'm not expecting... You know, a high glossy. I, I don't expect book. Eagle Griffin game, exactly. you know, like the Deluxe Venus, that right. type thing. So I think it's totally in line with the price paid. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
As far as the box size goes, it's a pretty small box, but it's a typical size for victory point games. It's nine inches by six inches by two inches or 23 centimeters, 15 centimeters by five centimeters. It, the actual box itself is just corrugated cardboard flip top box with a sleeve mm -hmm. that goes over the top. Think uh, for those that have seen like Euphoria or uh, some of the Columbia uh, block games, yeah. uh, Columbia games, block games, mm -hmm. uh, very similar. in as far as the, uh, the composition of the box itself. And for people like me, it's about the size of a hardback book. Okay. You can't really, because you tell me space points and I'm like, what? Okay, gotcha. <laughs> All right, graphic design. Well, there's some issues here. There are some issues here. The game comes with a player aid, but... Which is actually really well done. Except for the summation section. Right. It's identical for each side. One, it's the prosecution. It should be, you know, the prosecution should be on the prosecution and the defense should be on the defense, but both the prosecution. Because it's a reversible player aid. Right, right. right. So there isn't a summation section for the defense. But everything else on the player aid, in my opinion, is really well done. I think it's laid out really well. Plus, on the board itself has the round, not round trap, but kind of there's yeah. five rounds in a game. Jury selection, the trial in chief, and then the summation and deliberation. And so the player aid is kind of done on the board itself mm -hmm. as well as the player aid in front of you so you have two reference points so right. big plus there yeah. in my opinion yeah i like that we thought that the george kerr card was a misprint why because it's labeled as a prosecution witness but all of his actions and flavor text favor the defendant right and so it we were like okay this has got to be a, a misprint so we need to we should highlight this, however. Right. So as I was doing the research for the episode, it turns out that it was not a misprint at all. He was a prosecution witness. But however. He, but he aided the defense instead. Right. So he actually, the, the so the prosecution calls him up. He takes a stand and dude's like, nah, he wasn't really running the show. Right. Right. So, but the, 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 the prosecution was in such a hurry to try to get that's to trial that they basically just completely screwed up with George Kerr. So I thought that was a pretty cool little insight there. Yeah, I, I dig the historical nod there. The fact that, you know, they didn't vet their own witness in that respect. So that that was very cool. On the board, the insanity track shows arrows facing the wrong way with regard to aspect movement. You know, but other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> no, I'm mean, seriously, they're not deal breakers, but they do give the game a bit of a kind of a thrown together feel. It's it's attention to detail. Now, I've never published a game. Right. Let me preface that. And I, I'm pretty sure you haven't either. No, I have not. That said, I think Fresh Eyes before a final, hey, let's send this off to the printer, mm -hmm. might be a good idea. And I'm not saying this just for victory point games. I'm saying this for Spielworks. I'm saying this for Eagle. Yeah. I'm saying this for Stronghold. Everybody. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm a Marine. I have an acute attention to detail. Mistakes happen. Mm -hmm. I get that. But it's consistent in this hobby yeah. that there were just a lot of these type of mistakes and oversights that... I feel like just that one extra little step that people could take to avoid this stuff. And this is just another example of that. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about the artwork? I dig that they use like period artwork mm -hmm. on the actual cards. They use actual portraits for 
the for the the main players in the trial when where available some they just say you know used as a generality or or in reference um just hey this is what a dude from that time period would look like right. this isn't that person but they do have a quite a lot of portraits and i i appreciate the flavor text that goes with all yes. of that granted that's not artwork but as a whole i think it's well done and well implemented it's not you know, Ian O'Toole's amazing artwork, mm-hmm. but it really, it doesn't apply yeah. here. I don't think it would, it would it be appropriate. It would go. It would be weird. It would be garish and it, yeah. it just wouldn't fit the theme. No. I, I think for what it is, I think they did a really well, a uh, really admirable job of showing restraint when it comes to the actual artwork mm-hmm. used here. Yeah. As far as the rule book, some nice historical background and the rules, I'll be honest, they were a pretty easy read. I can't think of anything that we needed clarification on, save for that one card, which we thought was a misprint, and nope. And that's why we try and do a little bit of homework on this stuff before we go and record. So overall, though, I think this is a a pretty well put together rule book. Mm -hmm. Um, No issues. Nope. And set up, tear down, teaching, learning. For setup, really simple. Just separate chits into piles, randomly select each of the three types of chits onto the 12 juror cards, place the markers on their well-marked starting locations mm-hmm. on the board, shuffle the deck. That's that's yeah. pretty much it. There's not too much. There are quite a few moving pieces with all the different kinds of chits and everything. So I would say from out of the box, maybe 10, 15 minutes for setup, if that. Maybe for your first time. After that, mm-hmm. you're under five, I, w- I would say. Okay. As far as teardown, equally quick as setup, uh, if not quicker, since you don't have to turn all the chits for the yeah. jurors on a certain side, a handful of baggies, and, and you're done. Mm-hmm. Boom, less than five minutes. Yep. As far as teaching and learning, I as easy as the rule book is to read, it's, it's really an easy teach. Anyone familiar with a CDG or card-driven game is going to pick it up real quickly and honestly... Even those that aren't, that are gamers, are going to pick it up pretty quickly, I think. There's not too many rules. No, explain the basic concept, the five rounds of the game, like I said, jury selection, the two trial and chief rounds, the summation and deliberation, and then how and why of locking jurors and the aspects, and then talk about, oh, hey, 100 points. Below, defense wins. Above or equal to or above, the, the prosecution wins. Then game on. It's, also, it's good that they're, the player aids are as good as they are because that definitely helps with teaching because if you have questions, they're most likely going to be answered on the player aid. You don't have to... Or on the cards themselves. Yeah. That That's one nice thing about the uh, a lot of card-driven games that a lot of the rules are kind of offloaded. Not a lot of the rules, I should say, but they're very usually very clear as the, oh, do move this aspect, mm-hmm. move this aspect, or add you know this to a jury or whatever right and, exactly or a juror as it were all right the five factors that give the game its weight here so we'll start off complexity i think it's pretty low here don't yeah. you i i agree there really aren't that many rules to remember and i don't think it adds to the weight of the game yeah the the game moves real procedurally which mm-hmm. assists in just having a good flow about it and just overall low complexity and again this is a heavy filler uh, midweight game that there shouldn't be a lot here right. as far as complexity. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Now, as far as planning, this is a card-driven game. And so you would think really, really tactical. 
But I got to be honest, there's a bit more of a mix between tactics and strategy than I expected, considering you're getting a new hand of cards three times. Mm -hmm. And you have to use two of those cards each time to plan for your summation. And that that's very important because it can be where the game's won. It's not only important to maybe sacrifice a card that does something awesome in an earlier round for what it can do in summation, but the opposite. You know, I mean, it's also important to try and keep a running theme in your summation cards. For the defense, run up that insanity track. For the prosecution, sway markers, sway markers, sway markers. And as an, and an attorney to to block a defense event. Uh, absolutely. I So the, I think there is a fair mix here of long-term strategy as well as short-term mm-hmm. tactics. I mean, last game, I actually went into the game as the prosecution with a plan to discover at least some information about every juror on the table that was visible to me and then to just focus on locking a minimum of two jurors. I was not going to focus on the aspect tracks nearly as much as I was on the jurors. And I was able to do that Mm -hmm. even though the cards that I drew, I kind of had to manipulate a little bit more than I wanted and kind of work around them instead of them working for me. That also could be why I was a little hard-headed in my long-term plan and why the defense won, in that case, why you won. But the point is, I had the ability to have that kind of long-term plan coming into the game and execute it. So definitely not as tactical as I thought it would be. Not forgetting to put sway markers down on the drawers and moving the aspects around is key as well because it can be overlooked due to how powerful some of the card events are. And that not not only requires planning, but discipline, too. It does. Stay on target. Exactly. Oh, but this cool, look at this candy. Stay on target. Pretty much. (laughs) Like other CDGs, you're going to draw hands that tend to benefit your opponent more than you. And it's very much going to force you into playing a bit more tactically. But that doesn't lessen the impact of those decisions. So... There is a fair bit of planning that goes into Mm -hmm. this, even though you're drawing three new hands of cards throughout the game. Yeah. As far as luck, random factors, I mean, again, you're randomly drawing three hands of cards, so there is some randomness. But if anything, I think that that sort of randomness is actually contributing to the weight of the game because it's forcing you to either think on your... Or in addition to thinking on your feet, Mm -hmm. but also... How does this, how can I use this to my advantage? Exactly, exactly. I mean, each juror has three aspects that are random. The cards are random, but, you know, I don't mind it because the cards can be somewhat mitigated. And with the game as short as it is, the randomness doesn't matter to me. And the randomness of the jurors is important as far as variability and replayability. If it wasn't that way, the game would be, yeah, the game would be dead on arrival but as it is i think there's a fair bit of replayability Mm -hmm. because of that randomness in a good way absolutely as far as game length it's a short game i mean it falls in the i mean if you're a slow player you're looking at an hour once you've got a handful of games under your belt you're looking at a 30 minute game maybe 45 minutes the point is there's just nothing here contributing to the weight of the game as far as game length nope now as far as getting it though 
I really think a full game is necessary mm -hmm. so that players can see everything from jury selection all the way through deliberations, but also to feel the impact of all of their actions that started in jury selection that isn't going to be necessarily apparent until you get to the end of the game, especially mm -hmm. that first game. Yes. I mean, it, it definitely took me an entire game to fully understand the aspect tracks and how to use them to my advantage. I, for some reason, had a hard time wrapping my brain around that the aspects needed to be low on the defense side and high on the prosecution side. It just, that was so confusing to me until I saw final scoring. And then I and was then like, you're like eh. Well, not only that, but then the insanity track for the defense, mm -hmm. the higher you're able to move that up, at the end, you're able to bump all the aspects down one or two bumps, which is massively impactful. Yes, yes. With that said, where do you think the game falls as far as medium, medium, heavy, heavy range? Medium. I think it's solidly medium, which I think is pretty cool for a game this with this short of a playing mm -hmm. time. So what makes the game enjoyable? First and foremost, I mean the theme. It's well incorporated. It, I got to be honest, it easily lured me into learning more about the history of Louis Riel, which as an American... I'll be honest, I had no idea no. until I heard about this game been a blip on the radar. Mm -mm. However, because of this game, it made me interested in the history of him and the circumstances that got him to the trial and the circumstances around the trial. The fact that this is the only capital case, I think, in uh, North American history that only had six jurors as opposed to 12. Mm -hmm. And how they illegally, the, the Canadian government illegally... Uh, railroaded and was able to move the venue to where it would be more beneficial to the prosecution in the trial and all of that. And I just, I found that fascinating. And I'm, I'm a, the world's biggest five-year-old mm -hmm. when it comes to why and, yeah. and tell me about that. And I love my history and thanks for putting this on my radar as far as Alex and Victory Point Games and Alan and everybody there, because I thoroughly enjoyed reading up on this and learning about a, a topic that apparently is taught in Canadian schools that me as an American was just completely ignorant yeah, about. Completely oblivious. Never heard of Louis Riel yep. ever. I like it in another fat in another form because it's a completely different game depending on what side you're playing. It's fresh. If you play, the first time you sit down to play is the defense. It's fresh. The first time you sit down to play the prosecution, it's fresh. I mean, the cards are the same, you know, it's all the same deck, but each side has to sometimes just simply make do with the cards that were dealt to them. I like that puzzle and problem solving aspect of it. I agree with you. And I take it one step further to say that I think it's fresh the first few times you play each side. The reason is there you can go about winning the case, at least in theory, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, in different directions. Mm -hmm. You can focus on the aspects. You can focus on the jurors. You can do a little bit of each. You can uh, plan for a huge you know, summation and really try and wreck shop there. You can focus on trying to force the prosecution to where they get a minimum or they don't get a minimum burden of proof, which if they don't get that, oh, boom, he's mm -hmm. just not guilty due to lack of evidence. So there's a bunch of different ways that you can try and Fight the system as the defense and as the prosecution, yes, you need to focus on locking jurors, but there's other ways to manipulate things. And so there's there's a lot more depth here than meets the eye from a, just an initial play. So I definitely think it's fresh. 
a few games on each side after that first play as mm-hmm. well. The jury selection, I find tense and it's really, really meaningful. By the end of jury selection, but before each side starts dismissing jurors, you know quite a bit about the jurors, but you don't know all the info. And so you have this imperfect information coupled with reading how your opponent used that information. Are they peeking or revealing other juror aspects? And it makes for a bit of inductive and deductive Mm -hmm. reasoning and a little bit of of metagaming. Why isn't Amanda excusing that juror? Does she know that he has more prosecution leanings or is she just stalling? Mm -hmm. Do I need to worry about excusing that juror or do I let her take care of that so I can get rid of this other one? Because ultimately each side is going to dismiss three each. Mm -hmm. So six of the 12 jurors are gone. So you only can dismiss three. You have to choose carefully, but there may be a fourth or a fifth that you want dismissed. So can you manipulate it to where it looks like the other side is going to want to do your heavy lifting for you? And so I think that's, it's surprisingly clever the way the jury selection goes. And I really, really enjoy that. Mm -hmm. It's the mechanics involved in deciding whether to just peek at a juror's aspect or simply reveal it to all to see is... It's hard because, I mean, in my experience, it's been that the majority of the prosecution's events are to peak, while the majority of the defense is to reveal them. So if you really need to know those, you know, you really need to know those aspects of those jurors, but if you're playing the defense, you don't want the prosecution to know everything. Because you're giving away free information. Yeah, and that's no good at all. Right. It, it, it's definitely just really, really tense mm-hmm. and, and fun. It's like Vordier should be, right? Right. We enjoy reading the flavor text on each card before presenting the card and kind of like to role play in a sense that we'll say the prosecution is calling Gordon, you know, or whatever. We just being silly, having fun. It adds, no, I, it adds I think to it, it adds to the theme. And I know theme shmeme, some yeah. of you listening to this, I get that. But if you're playing this game, you've got to be playing it for at least some aspect of the history mm-hmm. and the fact that, oh, it's 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 law and order. You know, Wild West style yeah, in a sense. Yeah, the card game. Yeah, it's 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 just fascinating. How many trial, you know, lawyer games do you know of right? out there? <laughs> uh, one. Yeah. And I think it's it's really well implemented. So the theme here is doing nothing but enhancing the game. Mm-hmm. Like many other CDGs, like Twilight Struggle or even the shorter, similar in a lot of ways, twi- uh, thirteen days. There's that tug of war, that mano y mano uh, aspect of this game, and it makes for a very tense and close game in which, because of the way the game's designed, you're not going to know until the very end how things are going to play mm-hmm. out. And so it it's a forced tenseness, but not artificially so. And yeah, that's a win in yes, my book. Absolutely. And replayability is quite high also due to the number of trait chits and number of cards. I mean, you're going to see the same cards, but the astronomical number of probability to see the same exact juror set up, there's no way. Right. Not only that, but just because it's the same card, if you're playing it for the defense versus the prosecution Mm -hmm. or vice versa, it changes wildly what you're going to use that card for because you're either going to use it for the event and there are three different events, Mm -hmm. whether it's 
uh, jury selection, the trial in chief, or in summation. So not only do you have to decide when to use mm-hmm. the card, am I going to set it aside or not, but also am I going to use it for the event or for the actions yeah. which allow you to uh, manipulate the aspects or work towards locking jurors. There's there's so many there's so many different levers to pull in this game. And while ultimately the gameplay just consists of moving counters up and down a few tracks, and the jury swaying really is a is a track in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It just feels like it carries more weight than I'm just moving chits on a track. It feels like it has real weight and impact to moving those counters. Like, wow, are is this going to be the thing that decides whether or not I, I'm able to convict Louis Real, or maybe this dude's life is in my hands. Okay, granted, maybe it's not that serious. I get that. It is an abstraction of that, but it feels more than just moving chips mm-hmm. up and down a track, right? Yeah, it does to me too. There are too many battlegrounds in the game to cover, so you're forced to decide what's worth fighting over and what kind of goes by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Do you focus on swaying jurors do you focus on aspects the uh, insanity or the or the burden of proof and within the aspects themselves mm-hmm. there's what uh eight tracks i believe it is so you have a lot of things to choose where to focus your attention mm-hmm. and it's more than what you can so you have to you have to pick and choose your yeah. battles you have to budget and you have to figure out what's more important whether to move up the french aspect or to move down the Catholic aspect, you know, it's, you have, it's not, it's not so simple as just, oh, I'm going to focus on the aspects this game. No, there's too many of even of those to, right. to focus on that. And you had mentioned earlier about setting aside the cards for summation, but it's not just that. When you get this hand of seven cards, okay, two for the summation, cool. So I'm going to play these five, but am I going to play it for this really awesome event or am I going to use it for the action points to, you know, do something that the event doesn't allow me to do? Mm-hmm. And again, just like we had said about, you know, juggling those different battles that you're trying to fight, juggling the cards themselves, the order in which you're going to play them. Do I do I hold back an attorney so that I can counter one of your events? Is it worth doing that? And it, so there, like you said, there's a lot more depth here and a lot more levers to pull then, oh, I'm just going to play this card for this, you know? Last but not least, during deliberations, locked jurors can influence unlocked jurors for the side that they're locked for. And basically, they, they work other jurors for you. And it's just, it's really clever the way this can cascade. And it can be extremely mm-hmm. powerful. And so both sides know that. So both sides are wary of that. But tricky and manipulative play allows for that cascading effect with jurors influencing other jurors think of it as somebody is no adamant he's guilty or not guilty and going back into the deliberation room and be and and basically no look this is why and the other jurors are being oh yeah that's a good point and so yes it's abstracted again but thematically, it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Having been a foreman on a real-life attempted murder trial, I can tell you there is some of that that goes on, and that's really well implemented here. I think mm-hmm. that's really, really clever. Yes, it's a very well-implemented piece of it. And again, 
I think this is the only time I've ever brought up theme more than once. But yeah. seriously, the theme on this is just awesome because I love quirky, weird, off the wall stuff. Mm-hmm. And a game where you play lawyers in a trial and a historic trial, it's mm-hmm. not just, oh, this is Buck Rogers right. or whatever, I think is fascinating and Kudos to both Alex for coming up with the game, but also to Victory Point Games, who wasn't afraid to take the risk on something like this, because this is very much non-traditional and very much off the beaten path. But on Victory Point Games site, they have a little tracker to where you can say, oh, what are the most popular games over this long of a period? And over the last two months... This is the number two seller for Victory Point Games. So I think that's really cool. And I know it's in the top 10 for the last year, the last 365 days. So that's, it's cool that there's been a good reception to it. And there should be because this is a hell of a good game. Yes. All right. So flip side of us gushing about the game, (laughs) Mm -hmm. as far as the negatives, what you got? Well, I understand that it's obviously a large part of the game that some of it is guesswork when it comes to the jury pool, but not knowing all the information can be frustrating. I suppose so. But as a as a poker player, I'm used to dealing in imperfect information. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of like the inference that you have to make and the the I don't know this, but just by the way that you were doing this or avoiding looking at this, you know enough about that to where I can make some some educated guesses on that. I appreciate that. So I see that as a positive. Mm-hmm. That said, I can see that fellow 18xxers out there, train gamers who appreciate perfect information mm-hmm. games, you're not going to get that here. So right. steer clear. Right. But again, in a 30 to 60 minute game, I would think most people would be okay with that, provided the context of what the game is. Yes. You you know going in what's going on. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's more frustration than anything, but not getting the cards that you want when you need them. You know, that's frustrating. <laughs> I get that. But again, and I'm not trying to shoot down. No, no, no. I, I, I totally agree with you. But again, just like in a game, if you don't like Twilight Struggle, maybe the theme would appeal to you mm-hmm. in this. But you're probably not going to like it for the same reason. You're going to get some cards that aren't good for your side, but at least you can use them for other actions, well, right? Well, and that's going to happen for with any any CDG right. at all. And I understand that, but I'm just, you know. It's- oh, you're just grumpy whenever you don't get the Absolutely. cards and you're like, I- oh, sure, you got a good hand. I'm just being a grumpy butt. Totally. But... One thing that we didn't mention is you can mulligan your hand once per game. So if you get a really bad draw, Mm -hmm. you can mulligan. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's true. All right. So the only real negative that I have is something that we've already talked about, and that's the component quality. Uh, It's just it's substandard for what most folks are going to be accustomed to if they're not used to victory point games. That said, this is typical for victory point games. Keep in mind the cost, though. 25 bucks for it. I feel like it's totally in line with what you should expect. And I think the gameplay more than makes up for it. Oh, absolutely. I would agree with that. I had never heard of Louis Real before this game came along. And, you know, being American, his case just isn't something I knew about. And to be perfectly honest, I'm not even sure that I ever knew there was any kind of rebellion in Canada ever because, I mean, they're so nice. But uh, (laughs) I remember when Edward first started bringing up the game, I was immediately intrigued and wanted a copy. 
And in fact, I damn near ran to the Victory Games booth, Victory Point Games booth at BGGCon to buy the game. I was so excited. The game has an extremely cool premise and theme, and the theme shines through in spades. Whether you play the the defense or the prosecution, you're in for a very good, thought-provoking gameplay and a very good weeknight game. And, you know, let me also say, with as many ideas as VPG seems to have, I do not imagine that their World on Trial series will only have high treason in it for long. And I can't wait. If the theme appeals to you, the game's going to appeal to you. I think it's that simple. While the jury selection and the way the deliberations works are both unique and interesting mechanics. This is one of the games that theme trumps everything else. It's a CDG. If you like games like Twilight Struggle or 13 Days, I guess would be a more apt comparison based on the weight and the time investment. If you like that type of game, you're going to like this. But ultimately, it's the theme that's going to drive it. And if you're into history, like I am, I can highly, wholeheartedly recommend the game. Very, very well done. Good job, Alex. Good job, Victory Point Games. All right, Amanda, why don't you tell folks how we go about rating games? All right, we rate on a one to six scale. One being, it's not me, it's you. We have no interest in ever playing this game again. Don't give it away. Do not send it to Goodwill. You light that thing on fire. Two is, it's not you, it's me. We simply just don't like the game. There's just not anything that we like about it. Three is, we feel the game is below average. There may be some redeeming feature of it, but eh. Four We feel the game is above average. Mechanically or in gameplay, there's something good going on and we may wish to own a copy. Five is a terrific, even great game. We really strongly like the game and are likely to own it. Six is a Hall of Fame game. No brainer, drop what you're doing, run out and buy it now. What's your rating? I gave it a five for what it was, which a fantastic game. Now, It's a $25 game. It's not a $100 game. And by that, I mean, keep everything in perspective. For what it is, I think it's a fantastic little school night game, like you said. Or a great way to start a game day Mm -hmm. while you're waiting for other folks to show up. Or end a game day. Either way. I rated it a 4. I almost rated it a 5, but I hesitated and questioned myself and... As you know, we've said in the past, that's always a good indication that it's not a five to me or it's not a higher number. So, yeah, it's a four. But for what it is, it's an awesome, awesome game. I very much enjoy it and would highly recommend playing it. And that's High Treason, The Trial of Louis Rial. We want to thank the great folks over at Game Surplus for their sponsorship of the show. Fantastic folks, a great reputation, along with an ever-growing, amazing inventory of imported and hard-to-find games. Well, you can see why we're proud to be partnered with Game Surplus. Their tagline is home of great games at great prices, so check them out at gamesurplus.com. And when you do, remember to tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you. All right, y'all. So that's that's pretty much all we got for this week. So we'll catch you all next week. And... I'm really excited about the upcoming lineup of games that we're going to be reviewing. Yeah, me too. Oh, is that a teaser? My bad. Sorry. (gasps) Catch y'all later. Bye.